0: Succession premiered in 2018 and ran for four seasons, becoming a cultural phenomenon, winning 13 Emmys, and is rated at an 8.9 on IMDb. Let's break down the Roy family saga. Hello movie friends, welcome to Raiders of the Lost podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast, and we're doing some TV today. First one in a while, and we're going to be discussing one of our favorite film, favorite TV shows of the last several years, critically acclaimed cultural phenomenon, and everybody has been talking about this show, Succession. It is a revelatory show. I've never seen anything like it before. I found it to be so well-written, so well-acted and crafted, one of the rare cases of a TV show being shot on actual 35mm film, which I adore. Um, The last major one I can remember was really kind of like Breaking Bad and Mad Men were shot on film. Um, This show is just the epitome of uh, acting, writing, and filmmaking On on the scale of a television show. It's one of the best ever. I found it to be also so goddamn funny, intriguing, and absolutely captivating every single time. I watched that this show. This might be a top 10 show for me all time in TV history From for all the TV I've watched personally. And that's probably the only new show in the last five years I would put on that list because what, Game of Thrones, ended in 2019. 18? 18? So, 2020. I, yeah, so 2020. 2019. But since yeah. then, since the end of Game of Thrones, this has been the show for me personally. This is the only show I really watched besides Stranger Things. And I watched Severance, but Succession is the juice, man. It's so well made. And in a world where right now we have so much goddamn content so much tv lots of really good tv but a lot of really mediocre and not great tv but just a flood of it everywhere this one for me is an outlier of just exceptional filmmaking acting writing production from a standpoint of every element of any kind of process of making content movies or movies or tv this is just the best there is right now on TV. Now it's over. It just ended its fourth season. So they sad. ended it perfectly. One of the best final seasons of a TV show I've ever seen as well. Every episode is memorable in this show because there's so few. I mean, there's, what, 36 or something like that total or or not even? Yeah, 38. 38. 38. So it's not like an oversaturation of episodes, mm-hmm. but in what really makes it for me is also the characters. I mean, I love every one of these characters and – I I can't wait to rewatch this show in several years and just like feel like the nostalgia of the first time seeing these characters on screen and knowing what's going to happen at the end. And obviously, spoilers ahead. We will be talking about the finale of the show, so if you've never seen it, we'll give you some warnings and heads up about who succeeds Logan Roy in it's the Dominic end. Dominic Toretto. <laughs> Dominic Toretto succeeds and pulls <laughs> up in the Charger. It's about family. I'm in your family now. <laughs> so, just a heads up if you haven't seen the full show you there will be spoilers in this i'm always very selective with television that i watch uh because i mean I, I i say it enough i just i prefer watching films and watching movies and we got time for all those tv shows uh, i mean but some people tv is their thing yeah you know it's then but I, just for me as a viewer i've tried watching tv but i'm just i'm just very picky like i remember we were at a party a couple weeks ago we were i was talking to some guy and i was like now that succession, now that's succession, a succession's over uh, talking about t- talking to a guy about successes. says sex <laughs> Now I was like, now that Succession's over, I don't really have a TV show that I'm planning on watching. Um, but there are a lot of films I have on my watch list that I'm going to get into. And he was he was confounded by it. He was like, "What do you mean you don't you're not going to watch another TV show? Like, what do you mean like you don't want to watch anything else?" I'm like, "No, not really. I I like I was like trying to like hit home like I like watching movies a lot, <laughs> a lot, man." And he was like flabbergasted by it. I, I'm just very picky, and that doesn't mean I don't give shows a chance. There's a lot of shows last few years that I've given like the first episode to watch just to see. and it's it I've rarely been impressed or like made it it's they've rarely made an impression on me where like, you know, I'm gonna commit a weekly thing or I'm gonna commit to watching a couple episodes a week if I can binge it. Um but I was really intrigued by the trailer of succession when it first was dropping on um hBO Ma- on HBO. Or was it just... It, I believe it was HBO, HBO Go. Go. HBO Go. I had an HBO Go account. Or HBO Now. It's, it's 20 names ago, whatever it was. <laughs> it, it was only four <laughs> years ago, too. <laughs> and I was watching... I think it was they were showing... They were definitely airing trailers for it during the last season of Game of Thrones, I believe. And I found it to be really intriguing and interesting-looking. And plus, it had the uh, billing of Adam McKay and Will Ferrell... Who had just come off the big short, which I really adored. Gary Sanchez Productions. Yeah, Gary Sanchez Productions. And I really liked the cast because I, I was a fan of Sarah Snook because uh, I really liked her in. Um, Tr- uh, um, what's the. Uh, Predestination. Predestination with uh, Ethan Hawke. And then um I, I've been a fan of Brian Cox for a very long time. He's a really wonderful actor. And I just found the trailer to be really exciting. And so when it came out, I watched it the day it aired, the first episode, and I was hooked. And I was like, I've never seen a show like this before. It, it hits a very specific kind of humor and a very specific kind of tone. And I've talked to everyone I talked to who have watched Succession, I would say it's like kind of 50-50. Like there's a lot of people that like it's just not for them and they try to give it a shot and they just couldn't really connect to it. And then there are people like us who once they get into it, they are absolutely hooked. I was hooked from the get-go because I would never seen it. I, I just, If I'm going to watch the TV show, it has to be something I've never seen before on TV. Um... And so that's it has to why, be good too. Yeah, it has to be really good. I don't, too. I don't watch TV shows just to watch TV shows. You know what I mean? Yeah, They're yeah. Only, only so many hours in a week. But like, if you don't pull me in the first episode, I'm not intrigued. I'm probably not going to finish the season or, or even watch the show going forward. I'll give some shows a couple episodes, but I have no problem turning the TV off. It doesn't bother me at all because oh, yeah. you need for a tv show you got to get me right away mm-hmm. you should that's the that's the role i don't want to oh it gets better throughout the season you'll, you'll you'll enjoy it more by season episode six i'm like i'm not waiting six <laughs> episodes for a show to get good The show is good immediately and also there's been a trend in like the last 10 years in tv of like empire type shows of empire business empires and um it's like the last 10 years has been a bunch of those shows that was a common trend in television that I was noticing, but obviously succession is like the cream of the crop, like the just the absolute apex mountain of that subgenre of television and I really found it fascinating because I've always had for many years now a uh, negative opinion of media companies and of huge conglomerate corporations. Uh, you know these are super mega corporations that own all of the media like there's really only a handful of co- companies that a- and they actually own everything uh as an umbrella from top down everything from very small networks and very small tv production companies to the biggest things like warner brothers and cbs so i've always found that a really intriguing aspect to our culture and something that I- i've always had uh you know just like never really fully trusted in and i know that you know what we're showing in the media it is controlled by a very few number of extremely powerful and wealthy people. And oftentimes when we see something on TV, we're likely to you know, accept it, to believe it, to find like it trustworthy, but in a lot of ways, what we're seeing is, is decided by just a group of people behind closed doors and these mega corporations. And they're really pulling the strings of what's going on, what narratives, whatever channels going to broadcast, what they're doing with their movies and television shows and programming. And I always found that something that is really very present in America and very few other countries. We are like the the epitome of corporatization in the media. And I had never seen a show explore that in a really meaning in, in, interesting way like that. There's been shows like The Newsroom with Aaron Sorkin, but we're t- following a news anchor for the lead of that show, Jeff Daniels. But with this one, we're actually seeing the people who are actually pulling the strings. The people that are really in charge and the people that are really deciding what people are watching, whatever, no matter what screen they're looking at. These are the people that are making those decisions. So I found that to be a fascinating world for a TV show and not just the people making the decisions about media, but the influence on culture, how massive they have a power grip over that like Logan Roy. Is more influential than the president of the United States. That happens in this episode, in one of these episodes, what is it, like season two, where the the president is like begging in a meeting with Logan Roy because Logan Roy has more power than the president. He ghosts him. Yeah, he him. <laughs> he's got more cultural, influential power, obviously not military power or anything, but like cultural influence. It's more in the hands of a corporation like Waystar Corp. And, you know, using corporate culture and this billionaire culture and this elite club it's such a fascinating topic to to peer into and see behind the curtains of what it's actually like probably pretty damn close to this i'm sure obviously it's hollywood eyes it's sensationalized and you know better characters i'm sure than human beings more (laughs) interesting for sure and empathetic but to see the workings of what something like this looks like the the lifestyle of elites the lifestyle of billionaires as much as most people despise billionaires it's still enticing to watch what their lives are like you know they all have drivers they all have their own planes they take planes to super yachts to ferries to islands and helicopters it's crazy helicopters so going to many city helicopters to just different parts of new york city it's insane so you know we see this everywhere we are in our major cities we see this wealth we see these wealthy people we see those helicopters flying we never know who's inside of them we don't know what you do to get that kind of wealth Or what your lifestyle would be like but it's really interesting to see what it actually is like and what immense wealth is and there's a great Kieran Culkin Rory Culkin interview where he said that one of the most fascinating Kieran Kieran Culkin sorry details that he saw that he learned about billionaires is that they never wear coats because even if they're even when they're in New York and it's freezing they're never outside for very long because they're driven to their apartment they're driven to their business they're driven just the to the front door everywhere yeah. <laughs> they're driven to their private plane so they never actually have to wear a coat and he, he was like why don't they wear coats so he's like oh now I know why because you only walk 10 feet to get to walk into your private plane so there's really no reason to wear a coat even in the freezing cold winter and that's like just a little detail that they portrayed in the show that is just so fascinating and ultimately uh, the other major part of the show obviously is family Family. This is the most interesting family I've seen on television. And it really all comes from, it all stems from Logan Roy, who is a supreme narcissist and basically um, creates four little, four children who are incapable of love or incapable of really feeling true emotion and uh, intimacy. Three, uh, but Connor can. No. Connor, I think. No really you don't think so his his marriage is transactional no but he's in love with her he's in love with willa is he is he in love with her or is he in love with the idea of her by his side i think he's in love with willa i don't think he's in love with her i'm just that's my interpretation cool so I, i'd say they're all incapable of real love all of them and that's why he marries a call girl you know and that's why he pays for her to be his girlfriend it's a transaction and every and the children are raised by a man who is also incapable of love and his entire upbringing of them has been transactional as well. What I find really fascinating about the show, especially in the, um, in the first season, is the first season lays the groundwork for what we'll eventually see. Um, and obviously, the kids end up rebelling by season three, join forces, and then it's them against him in season four. However, in the first season, he brilliantly in <laughs> horribly uh, basically pits them against each other. Uh, in so many ways for the throne you know kendall being the eldest initially oh i'm the guy the eldest of the three connor's not part of the business obviously he's like i'm i'm next in line this is going to happen but once he shows that he's not a true killer by going to logan's birthday party in the first episode logan's like you're not you're not going to be the guy and so he decides to bring roman and shiv in the work in the mix to see who can come out on top you know he and by doing that, he just quickly, in the first few episodes, he denounces Kendall as his successor by saying, I'm going to stay on. Then he, ha- he promotes Roman to COO, CFO, I'm sorry, in, in taking Frank's place. And then he, he coaxes Shib eventually to back into Waystar. Uh, mm-hmm. She was a fixer for another company, had no involvement in Waystar, but he, he talked her into coming on the pretense that, you know, you might be able to run things one day. And so by the end of the first season, um, he has all three kids there, in Waystar and the battle has begun. and It's all his, his doing. He really pulled the strings to get them into Waystar and pitted against each other. And is that a terrible thing? Horrible, yeah. Is it good business sense? It might be to see who really is the best successor of his family. Um, but I found that to be uh, one of the most interesting spa- aspects of the entire show, that first season storyline. As little as he seems to care about his kids, he still wants Waystar to pass through the bloodline. He still wants it to be a successor through family. Like legacy, yeah. You know what I mean? He, otherwise, that's why he never takes Tom seriously or anyone else seriously. Jerry, when it comes to actually taking over as CEO, he wants it to be someone in his bloodline. And that's the great mystery of this entire show. For four seasons, we're trying to find out who's going to be the successor for Logan Roy. The first season's great because they put him out of commission for the majority of it. He has that stroke. And it's up to the kids, and they kind of try to take over. Kendall tries to take over loosely, and you know he's already Interim. he's already shown that he's not great at it yet because he like fucks up that deal in the first couple episodes. He's just overly confident. He just seems just like a rich kid, just who's just ready to take over a throne of an empire he hasn't earned or deserved yet. Yeah, the deal you mean is when he took a huge loan of forty billion from Stewie to get rid of their debt, making him a board a board member. And when Logan woke up, he's like. You fucked it. (laughs) And then season two, really getting Logan back into the seat of being CEO, deciding to stay on. And then by the fourth season going into it, He's cooking. He wants to build something new. He's got his deal going, hopefully with Madsen, but also he gets a fire lit under his ass and he's like, I'm going to be here forever. I'm going to make something faster, lighter, meaner. We're going to take this. We're (laughs) going to build something new. And it's just like, holy shit! Logan Roy is back, baby! He's moseying. He's he's evil moseying. (laughs) He looks like Santa as an assassin. So so that's one of the great strengths of the show is how they put Logan strategically in in points of power over Waystar, whether he has the power or doesn't, even though he's the overarching leader. People think he's going to step back. He has the stroke. He has the health problems later on in Season 3. He also has the the UTI in Season 1, which fucks him up. Yeah, so he has has all kinds of health problems, but he's still got it. When he's lucid completely after all of his illnesses have gone, he still has it, but by Season 4, which is why it's such a shock. Spoiler, here we go. Here we go is a spoiler warning. Here we go. Five, Dominic four, Toretto 54321 Season 4 spoiler when Logan dies. That's one of my favorite episodes because right before he dies, they had an opening scene to the show, cold open basically of him on fire. I'm ready to go. I'm getting on this plane. I'm taking over the world and building something new and faster. Fuck the Fuck kids. Fuck the kids. Yeah. I'm going to do my own thing because I'm the man and I can do this again. I can do I can do it twice. And then opening title credit sequence, the music, and then boom, Logan's dead. Shocker where he seemed to be at the height of his power that we've seen him and he's dead. Yeah, and I think that Logan is so defined by his narcissism where it's in it's it's exactly on, on the nose where you said that You know, he wants it to be one of his children to succeed him But then it, he doesn't want to give up the power which is so fascinating with him where he like he wants it one of his one of his children to take over, but then, like when he gives them the opportunity, he'll take it back. You know, like he, there's that scene where with Shiv, where he says, "I'm, I want you to be the next chief executive of, the, of this company," and then when he's asked about it in public multiple times, he's like, "It's we're talking about it," and he basically rips it away from her. And he does the same thing with Kendall, um, and with Roman. Roman Roman fails his test in, in a way, whereas whereas Shiv and Kendall desperately want it. Roman thinks he wants it, but ultimately he can't handle it. And the first instance of that is when Roman's on the jet and he gets a call from Logan. He goes into the bathroom and Logan's like, "Uh, do you want this? Do you want to be CEO? And then Roman's like, yeah, I want it. But if you don't think I'm ready for it, then that's okay too. And if you want Jerry, then go ahead and do that. Basically falling apart with insecurity at the moment. And then Logan's like, fuck, he's he's not the guy. He's not him. But it's really interesting what he does with Shiv because he manipulates her to get her back into the company and then he manipulates her continually about like holding like the idea of being CEO just to just far enough for her to be unable to reach it which is it's the it's kind of horrible and um so manipulative what he does to get control of her and he does the same thing with all of his other kids in different ways um with Connor he has control over Connor because Connor is so dependent on him, where he can get Connor to agree to pretty much anything as long as he can, you know, keep his his uh, his money that um, Logan keeps giving him. Although he's unable to really control Connor and Connor's desire for ridiculous, delusional things like becoming president and things like that. But the way he manipulates his children is really terrible, and it's ultimately stems stems from his narcissism and his inability to let go of his control. And he could, give it, he could have given it to Kendall in the first season. Um, but he said no. And I think that he used like, the, the mess up with Stewie as an excuse. Ultimately, it wasn't that bad of a decision. Logan hated it because he didn't want more people on the board and he didn't want to be indebted to Stewie in private equity. Uh, and the last thing he ever wanted was private equity in the company. Um, however, in a way, Kendall did make a smart decision business-wise to save the company when they were in a bad rut. However, that's not what Logan wanted, and I think Logan ultimately was like, this is an excuse for me to say, fuck off, Kendall, you're not ready for this. Yeah, and I mean, the way he manipulates all of them is terrifying when you understand that he's their father, especially with Shiv. How you said he got her back in the company, he completely makes her abandon and shift her ideologies politically because she is totally against Waystar and their political beliefs and leanings and the candidates they represent and she's working for the opposite party, she's working for politicians of the opposite party, she's trying to get other people elected. Even though she likes the inheritance and she likes her her shares of Waystar Corp, she does not denounce those because, you know, you gotta keep that money, you gotta keep that house nice. sweet. She still doesn't want to join Waystar, but then he flips her, and it takes about three or three seasons to get Shiv completely flipped to be, I wanna be in Waystar, I wanna I not only be in Waystar, I wanna run this fucking company. Compared to season one when she hates Waystar, she hates being part of this family outside of the money. Politically, ideology, ideologically, she doesn't want to be a part of it at all. Now, season three, season four, she sees it as an opportunity to change things. But honestly, if she became CEO just like any of the others, they would do the same exact thing that they've been doing for the last 40 years since, Rome, since Logan started the company. The same political uh kind of opponents and candidates that they would represent yeah and fund and put out there in the media they would be the same thing maybe a lighter tone but i mean i doubt it because money they need to keep making money and so what what happens to her it's shocking because she's a completely different character pretty much by the end of a lot of them, they all really are but her specifically was manipulated to you know give up what she truly believed in earlier on in her life by season from season one. Yeah, I mean, she was the chief of staff for the Democratic presidential candidate at one point, and then she joined Waystar. And that the election night in season four is a great example of, you know, she hates this candidate. Uh, she thinks he's a crazy right-wing conservative, too far right. But still, like, it's Waystar, and she's still working to... She's part of the election to elect him, you know, she's part of the campaign to elect him, basically through the media. And so she's part of a, an evil that she hates, she's part of a, something that she views as um, the opposite to her beliefs. Um, but she still accepts her place in the machine, and ultimately would like to run the machine, even if she doesn't believe in it. So ultimately you can see the the allure of wealth and how it can, you know, undermine any kind of real moral beliefs that you have, as long as you can maintain, if, if you can get the power and being the being the one, That's more important to her for sure. Wealth and power. I mean, she doesn't want to take that photo with that candidate in season, what, two or three? Two, yeah. She ends up taking that photo. She doesn't have to, but she wants to be part of the club. She wants to get in now because her father is enticing her to, come on, maybe you can be CEO one day or something like that. And then, I mean, Kendall, my number one boy, Kendall, you think it's going to be him (laughs) all show, all four seasons. I mean, he's the number one boy. He is Logan's presumed favorite or was his favorite for sure. I mean, we learned that in season four, and then his will. He had Kendall written down as his successor, but the brilliance of an underline or a cross out will never be able to tell. That's one of my favorite shots in the entire series is the close-up of the will that says, Kendall will be CEO, my successor, but it was, was it underlined or was it crossed Kendall out? Kendall just staring at it. It's hard to tell, <laughs> like, zooming in on his phone, like, trying to interpret it. No one will ever know except for Logan Roy. And everyone was told at one point, besides Karn probably, that they would take control of the company. Roman was told in a closed door. Shiv was told in closed doors. Kendall was closed doors, told when he was 12. And he thought it was his birthright, basically, which is why his tantrum that he throws in the finale is one of the most powerful and also humiliating moments of his life. Because it just shows that he's still just a little kid just trying to seek his father's approval. He's just still just this little toddler who's trying to get what he wants. They all eventually become. They, well, they aren't. They didn't become that. They've, but they've always been so insecure and desperate for his approval. And Roman and Kendall, especially more so. And whereas Shiv was really damaged by her mother more than her father. I would say uh, her and her mother's relationship is extremely strained. But the the seeking of approval for Kendall and Roman, where. Uh, even in their darkest moments and even in their uh, moments where they hate their father more than ever he still gets them to do what he wants ag- against every fiber in their being um and it's really extraordinary to see how on the hook they are with him constantly looking to seek his approval constantly trying to do what right by him even when they don't agree with it like i love when kendall in season one he fucks up walter's company um buys it they buy it and then they destroy half of it basically cleaning it up for parts and walter's like what the hell man like they he thought they they were pals and they were working together on this and it was supposed to be like a collaborative deal of a merger of these two companies but then he's like why would you do this kendall and kendall said because my dad asked me to he and, wanted to have like yeah. a partnership that he's like my dad's gonna make me do this yeah I thought that that's one of the most important lines in the whole show is Kendall ruining ruining the company of a guy he respected and a person who he wanted to be partners with uh, in business and also clearly they had a friendship, but then to destroy the guy's life and and then his excuse was because my dad told me to do it like that was so informative of Kendall. I wouldn't say he destroyed his life because he's still he's, a he's, he's still, million, he's he's still, he's still got, a billionaire. He's got like a bill. Yeah. Everyone who worked there is fucked because they yeah, got fired everyone ordered, Yeah, everyone who worked there. They got severance. But yeah, yeah they, he destroyed the company yeah. that he was promising to yeah. lift up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And Which, betrayed someone who trusted and confided in him. So he'll do anything that his father says. And then Roman himself. For the first season or two, it looks like he doesn't give a fuck about anything. He's just happy to spend his money. But then he starts to get a taste for power because he starts off in season one in the mascot suit at Waystar Park, at at the amusement park. You know, he's kind of like, all right, I'll get inside the company. I'll start doing something, which shows you how, if you're in a family like this, how little you actually have to do in terms of prep or (laughs) schooling. All you have to do is, like, just... Attend the management class and that's it. Yeah, and then then you're going to be in... The, uh, on you're, the board. You're going you're to be an executive Eventually. when you finish, the ma- you, you finish the management training and then you're an executive. Meanwhile, Greg's smoking a J then he pukes through his mask and <laughs> <laughs> begging his, his way into the family. But um Roman goes from completely disinterested to obviously wanting to compete for CEO, being co-CEO in season four with Kendall at the same time with their fake uh, trilogy of of leaders with mm-hmm. Shiv, that, who they betray and vice versa so they all transform in different ways and it's all tragic what happens to them because obviously we know none of them succeed logan which maybe would be for the best for the family who knows because even though the show ended at season four and everyone's life is up in the air we all get to kind of determine in our own ways what we think happens to tom and shiv what we think happens to kendall what we think happens to roman roman may be the only one that's you know accepted his fate and can find some solace even at the bottom of that martini maybe thinking about Jerry at that moment but he's the one who actually has that he's the only one with the smirk Kendall borderline is about to jump off the off that fucking bridge right there into the water and then Shiv who whose husband now or almost ex-husband is now CEO of Waystar Tom our guy is back in his life despite everything she's done to him and everything he's done to her because he's got the power now. And she wants it still. Yeah, it's not so much... The the decision she made at the end of the season of axing her vote so that Tom could get it, I think she did it not so much because it was her best chance of maintaining power because I think she's powerless in the future. I think she... I think that the Tom Shiv marriage and eventual family will be um, very much like the Roy marriage, um, where, you know, Logan Roy's wife, she's a board member, but and she gets a vote, but she has no involvement. Um, and she, her, parent, her kids were raised by the father who didn't care to be a father, and she was basically cut out. I think that Shiv's gone on her way down a path very similar to her mother's. And even though she's married to the now CEO, she is powerless because she's always had the... the, That's what's so fascinating about the twist on that relationship was Tom was always powerless. Tom was an outsider. Tom was always desperate to... He was always walking on eggshells in a way because he's... And then there's... After Logan's death, um, Frank goes, the only guy who was pulling for you is dead. (laughs) Like, you got nothing left. Your wife's about to divorce you. Like, you're a nobody. You're fucked, basically. Yeah, Yeah, you're fucked, and... Tom in the in the early parts of season 4 has nothing and he is just holding on by a thread, but he always has been holding on by a thread. Like he shouldn't even be at the uh, at Connor's like auctioning or like yeah. put a sticker on whatever you want from exactly. local, like why is he even there, you know? Yeah, 100%. And so and cuz he's an outsider, he's not one of them. He came from nothing. He really is not nobody. He's not part of old money. He's not part of high society. He's he is low class citizen from birth and he he kind of in a way Weaseled his way in here, um, although he did marry Shiv for love. It's not like he married her for her name, even though she thinks that. Because Shiv looks, because of the way she was raised of transactions, she thinks that Tom married her for her name. She thinks that Tom married her for her father um, and for a place in the company. She doesn't understand. She's, she, even into the end of, this, of the last season, she still didn't understand that Tom married her because he loved her, and it wasn't transactional for him, even though she thinks, she thinks that it was transactional. Because she doesn't understand love. none, of the, none of the, I don't think any of the kids truly understand love. But what makes Tom and Shiv's so, relationship so fascinating is that because for the entire season, he had no power for him in the final moments to not just get some power back, to get, but to get absolute power. She has no power left anymore. And she is uh, basically living on the whim of her husband now. She is not part of the company. She's out. So she's gonna be. She'll, I think she'll still have a board seat, but she's going to be her mother in the future, and that's why. Oh, no, th- they sold. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They so she's more. she's not. Yeah. She's I'm sorry. Yeah. So she's just getting some money. So a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think. But Shiv made the decision not for power. She made the decision because she was like, "Fuck this. We need to get out. This needs to end. The family ties to this company. It's so toxic, and it's so evil, and it's bred so much cruelty that it just needs to be over." And so that's why she doesn't vote for Kendall at the end. It's not. It's more so to just say, I'm ending this. It wasn't for her. It wasn't for Tom. It was just to stop the Roy connection to this business once and for all. No, I don't think that's why. I think she did it because she doesn't want Kendall to have it out mm-hmm. of spite because she wanted it. Yeah, out of she, spite she, sure. yeah. I mean, they were arguing the night before before the— the dinner for a king, right, or the meal, for a, meal for a king? Meal fit for a king. Meal fit for a king. They were like, "Why can't it be me? Why not? Sh- why not? Why? What's wrong with shit being CEO? What's mm-hmm. wrong with Roman sh- being yeah. CEO?" So I think it's more of fuck Kendall. Yeah. I don't think Kendall will be good at this. I think he'll ruin the company. You if, killed a guy. If I can't, <laughs> well, no, I didn't. I didn't kill a guy. <laughs> Did <laughs> you was, lie about that? You made that up. <laughs> so I think that because if if she can't have it, she won't let Kendall have it. Yeah, and she knows Roman can't take it. She knows Roman can't, Roman's not ready, but she won't let Kendall have it, even though she said she would vote for him, I think, out of spite, because I can't have it, fuck Kendall, I don't want him to have it, so, fuck it, Tom's gonna get it. Yeah. I think it's more of that, like, I, cause she even says, like, I, I don't want you to have it, basically. Yeah, and she says, I don't think you'd be good at it. I don't think he would either, yeah, he'd probably fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. He would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he wouldn't fuck it up, but he would become a tyrant. He, he, would. he would make their lives miserable because um when he was out on the raft in the in the ocean and they were in room and Roman were looking at him like teasing him from the from the shoreline um you the, they were judging him they're like he he's he's terrible <laughs> he's yeah, he be being horrible. sarcastic but yeah, yeah he's like it, it would be unbearable like it would be terrible um so yeah i think you're right because kendall he gets that fire and he gets that killer in him um, but he's still in a way he 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 failed he failed the most important test in Logan's eyes where he he's still by the end he's not the real he's not the killer that Logan meant Remember when Logan says you you're not a killer son and so going back to the first episode actually and it's Logan's birthday party and Kendall is overseeing that first big deal and Logan is shocked to see that Kendall showed up to his party as opposed to working out and closing out that deal that was the first that was the the first moment where that was the decision that was the moment Logan decided that Kendall's not ready to be CEO that he's not a killer because if he was really a killer and he was really like the CEO that Ray Star needed that Waystar needs he would have skipped his father's birthday to finish that deal he would have put work first because that's what Logan always did but Kendall desperate for the approval of his father goes to his father's birthday and then there's a great. They have a great line about that in the fourth season. Uh, most interestingly, that's actually how Tom gets hired by Matheson as CEO because he's at not the at the funeral. Exactly. So during Logan's funeral, Matheson's talking to Shiv, and he's like, "Where's your little Tommy boy? Where, where's where's your little Tommy Tom?" And Shiv's like, "Oh, he's he's worked. There's a lot. He's at work. There's a lot to do. There's so much stuff going on." That moment right there, it was like a light bulb turning off for Matheson where. He's like, this is Tom, is the person I can rely on to put work before anything else. He's the person I can rely on to trust, and he's the guy who will take as much shit as he needs to for that job. And so, Tom passes the test that Kendall failed in the first episode. So Tom passed that test. Matheson saw it. There's no H in Math. It's Matheson. Matheson sorry, Matheson saw it the same way that Logan saw it in Kendall. And that's It's it's interesting that it happened, it's basically like a bookmark of this test that both men were put upon. And you could say that Madsen is the most similar to Logan Roy out of everyone in the show. He's a killer. He'll do anything to succeed and get what he wants and get a deal through, basically. So him and Logan are actually really similar because at points, Roman is similar to Logan, Shiv is similar to Logan, Kendall is similar to Logan. They do similar things that he's done. You can assume he's done his entire career, backstabbing, making deals that, you know, benefit only them or being secretive. But, you know, at, at points they all have that killer instinct that comes out temporarily. Kendall comes out temporarily oh, when yeah, he tries sure. to, to kill his father because his father tries to make the blood sacrifice with him. But it's really Mattson who is probably most similar to Logan Roy out of all the potential successors here. I mean, Tom's not like Logan Roy. I don't think he would be a CEO that was similar to Logan because he's just a puppet, basically. And he, he would knows, do whatever Mattson says. He knows what yeah. he is. He knows exactly what he is. That's why Mattson... Picks him because Sh- Shiv accidentally tells him, you know, he'll suck the biggest dick in the room. That's what he does, making fun of him, thinking that he's got no chance at being CEO. Not even in her mind on this on the same playing field. Like there's no way he would even be considered. You're, th- alone- you're talking about the dinner with Mattson hurting her. her. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So not even not even a, a, a there wouldn't even be consideration in her mind that he would be a CEO potentially. Yeah. Everyone thinks he's a joke, and she ac- she accidentally gives Mattson all the information he needs to conclude. I think I'm going to hire Tom for CEO. I'm just going to have one little interview with him basically later tonight and see what he thinks. Yeah, it was basically, you're right, it was so revealing of Shiv and it was a big mistake because Matson was not looking for a collaborator. He was not looking. He's not looking for a partner. Shiv thinks that. Sh- Matson's looking for a bitch. He's looking for someone to take all the heat, but to get the credit of being CEO of Waystar, even though Matson will be completely... In charge of operations behind closed doors and he knows that that's not something that can work with Shiv because Shiv is power-hungry Shiv wants control so he knows that Shiv he it's 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 great brilliant manipulation by Matheson in the final season of manipulating Shiv to get her on his side as a and then he eventually betrays her by saying you know he's he's like I can't pick her because she's gonna want too much I need someone who will sit down and say, Yes, sir, and basically serve me. And Tom says, I'm here to serve. And that interview, Tom thinks is going horribly, but Madsen, he's so intelligent. And Scarsgard Skars- did an amazing job of playing him so loosely on the surface. And he's very casual, he's always dressing. In hoodies and sweatpants, although they're very expensive hoodies and sweatpants. But he puts himself, he puts this nonchalant, uh, kind of like casual guy forward. And all these other business people who are always so serious, they don't know how to interact with him and they don't know how to read him. I I think he's very much unreadable by any of the Roys. Nobody knows what he's thinking and he's so unpredictable. But that's the genius of Matson. He, is really in charge of what he's doing, and he knows what he's doing, and he's using this demeanor uh, as a way of trying to figure out the dynamics of everybody that could be a successor. And I think that the brilliance of Skarsgar's performance comes in how he behaves, and it's so opposite to how anyone else in this world behaves, and that's what really makes it possible for him to weave his way into the workings of these families and these people to find the perfect candidate for him. He's kind of playing the Roy's like chess pieces, and he's trying to figure out what he can get from each one of them, and he eventually latches on to Shiv and uses her connections to just get introductions, basically under the guise of her being the American version, the American CEO of the company, versus a Swiss or Swedish CEO when he takes over the company, and uses her to his advantage to get what he needs out of a Roy to get the connections, to get the votes, to get connections with the board, And get his people in there, and then eventually betraying her. As I mean, she doesn't find out till the night before the vote. She doesn't find out that she is being replaced. She is not going to be the American CEO. Little does she know that it's fucking Tom who is going to be the CEO if the deal goes through. Yeah, it's it's an incredible play, and it ultimately works in his favor. Although it was very risky because. You know, Shiv could have still voted for her brother and it would have ruined everything for Matson, you know what I mean? So he was taking a risk because she even though even though he was he was outing her as CEO, she still had a vote, which is really important. And so it was a risky play, but it ended up paying off. And Tom really is the perfect CEO for him. It's not and it's it's a great point. Tom's not gonna run it like Logan. Tom's not gonna run it like any of the Roys would have run it. He's gonna run it like Matson wants him to. And that's really what made him the perfect candidate. And the Madsen deal is ultimately what blows up any of the Roys ever getting a chance because it dissolved, it'll it eventually dissolve the company for them and turn Waystar into just a piece of the big pie that Madsen owns. But, you know, they all become filthy rich, even though they lost their yeah. stake in Waystar. You know, they're signing those contracts. The, that's because that was the biggest conflict of the fourth season for the siblings is they wanted to keep Waystar for themselves and ruin the deal that their father had set up with mattson over season three they wanted to ruin it so that the boys basically their secret plan was to we're going to take it over let's fuck up the deal let's run waste ourselves build it up again build it better than ever before we can do it as well Uh, we don't they don't want to lose their legacy of this company and then by the end of it none of them really get any legacy they get fat checks probably what 10 20 million dollars billion dollars a piece probably because he bought it for like 170 170 billion dollars yeah he bought it for five bill over asking price because um, the boys they went and they yeah. they thought they were they <laughs> accidentally got a higher bid from him because mm-hmm. they were trying to ruin the deal but madson knew that they M- madson's so smart he knew that they were f- trying to fuck up the deal and trying to yes. drive the price up and thought that he would end it and that's why he asked when he called shiv he's like can you send me a photo of your brother's faces right now? Because they look so horror-struck that they got a bigger deal. They got more money, and everyone's congratulating yeah. them on doing a great job, and they're devastated. Yeah, and also, like, they, bl- they blame Madsen for causing Logan's death, and they still had to sell to- – they're still having to sell to him. So it's, it's just an ultimate – it's a great defeat for, for Madsen and showcase that he was kind of viewed as kind of a guy who is out of his depth, but that's because of the way he behaves. People weren't taking him seriously, but clearly he knows what he's doing, and that's a reason why he winds up on top, which I really adore. And and Kendall, back to Kendall and Logan, uh, with the manipulation uh, in the second season, Ke- Kendall goes through the most transformation in the show in terms of the fucking roller coaster of him oh, up mo- and down. Yeah, yeah, he's all over the place, and it, so much has to do with his father. So much has to do with going what's going on in his personal life but his lowest low was in set in season two but I mean, it's great because it kendall opens the sh- the show in such a high he's like rapping in his car he's like punching the sea he's like I, I'm, I'm ready i'm gonna be the guy <laughs> you know this is this is my time and then it's a terrific final shot for him looking out at the river just with nothing and it looks like he really wants to he's lost any purpose for living it's the ocean yeah it's not the river it's new york city yeah manhattan yeah but isn't it called a river or something no it's like a the guess, hudson bay i guess yeah the bay. bay. yeah it's still the ocean it's a bay i know it's the ocean <laughs> yeah yeah well all rivers <laughs> run to the ocean but i'm just what do you call the, the water it's not like it's not like you look at the water on in new york and you're like oh that's the ocean it's the Hudson Bay. Well, no, cuz there's there's like a uh, there's more land on the other side of it. Not at every point. Not where he is, motherfucker. <laughs> where he is. Sorry, I'm just fucking with if you. If you look at the coast, yes, there's the ocean, but you wouldn't call the Hudson Bay the ocean. You know what I mean? It's the bay. Um, the Hudson, All you New Yorkers, let's let's know the what you Hudson think, <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. You uh, call that a river? <laughs> but it's it's an incredible uh, bookmark of his first and final images are so starkly different, but he does go through so many ups and downs and his lowest lows are definitely in season two where after the crash into the river or lake, <laughs> lake. at the end of season one <laughs> large pond uh, and <laughs> in... <laughs> <laughs> big puddle uh in the that uh employee uh for part of the wait staff he dies in the in the water and drowns or he probably died in the crash actually um, and then it's <laughs> Logan, I mean, Kendall being Kendall left his key card in there. <laughs> and then He's like, I guess I'll be fine. And then, uh, people show up the next day to, to question him. Uh, Kendall becomes the, basically like the, the, the servant of Logan after that. Yeah. Then they're, they're not questioning him as a suspect Sorry, but, because yeah. obviously their fixer took care of yeah, it. Yeah. The fixer took care of it. Um, but Logan finally has Kendall by the balls. That hug. The hug. Oh you're my, you know, I'm, you're my number one boy. My number one boy. My number one boy. My God. And it's like the most tender... It's the most tender you've ever seen Logan in the entire show is when he's embracing Kendall that night. And, Ken, and ten, Logan is, is sweet, and he's comforting, and he's calming, and he's very fatherly, he's very paternal, and it's, he's it's a very intimate moment. That's the most intimate you've ever seen Logan in the entire show. And it's it's a moment where he's finally got complete power over Kendall. And Kendall is now going to be his errand boy and be his, his number one dog in a way. Not only that, this is all setting him up for slaughter. Yeah. Ken, I mean, Logan's going to use him as blood sacrifice for all of the horrible controversies with Waystar, with everything that was going on with the cruise ships. Yeah. He's going to put it all on Kendall, and Kendall's going to accept it. He says, yes, I'll go to jail if I have to. I'll do it, even though Tom offers as well later on. He's like, hey, if you need anyone to do it, I'll do it. And you don't want anything? (laughs) Thanks, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Kendall's going to be his blood sacrifice. And this is why I think the finale of Season 3 might be my favorite. This is the finale of Season 3, or is it Season 2? Season 2 finale. Season 2 finale might be one of my favorite episodes of the whole series because... It is such a twist such a shocking moment where we think kendall is gonna accept all the responsibility for what happened instead after because he asks his father before this press uh, conference on the cruise ship they're i mean they're on the yacht deciding who's gonna take the blame yeah. it's fucking crazy and then he asks his dad after he says i'll i'll do it i'll i will take responsibility he asks his dad real just straight up he's straight up with me basically would you have given it to me? Would I have been CEO? And his father says, no, you're not a killer. It's not you. You're not it. And that destroys Kendall. And that makes him despise his father and causes him to, at the press conference, put it all on his father. Mike drop, walks out, end of the season. Holy fuck. It was yeah, awesome. That was his big moment of rebellion of and of him being like, uh, fuck, fuck you! I'm gonna take control, and I'm gonna make it happen. If you don't think I'm gonna? I'm a killer. I'll show you that I'm a killer. And then what's Logan do? Smirks. <laughs> yeah, because I think Logan respected it, and that was the final shot of season two of Logan smirking um, while watching the press conference on the yacht. And I think that was a moment where Logan said, thinking to himself, Oh, he might, he might have the dog in him. He you might know, He it. might ha- He might have that in him. And got that dog, got bro. That dog. <laughs> <laughs> got that dog in him. But ultimately I think Kendall thinks he I think Kendall wants to have it in him, but ultimately he doesn't have it in him. And th- he he reveals that in his speech at the funeral where he says he says something about like the the power or something that Logan had in him. He says and he says, "My god, I hope it's in me too." So he's trying to be like his dad, but ultimately he's not. Yeah, I think because he worships his father, what he wants more than anything is to be his father. He wants to be his father, that's it, but he'll never be Logan Roy. I don't want to be you. <laughs> I don't want to be... Heavy lies the crown, sort of speak. Which one of your guys thinks that they can do your job better than you? I got this... this rat problem, this... Teething little rat. <laughs> <laughs> How about we run to our intermission because we're already fifty minutes in this episode. And then we'll come back because there's still so much to talk about. I wanna even bre- talk about Greg. I want to break down the characters. Let's go by uh, them. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. cast. We gotta bring up the cast and everything. There's and I made a bunch of lists of top episodes, favorite moments, most cringe moments, funniest scenes, all kinds of stuff. We're gonna do it like our office episode as well, which oh, was yeah. such a fun time. But let's head into our intermission. And before we continue, the very best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to leave us five-star reviews on Spotify or Apple, aka iTunes. Apple, you can leave written reviews, which we love to read out on the show, and I'll get to one in about a minute. But those five-star reviews really do help us get seen by new people. So keep leaving them. We're almost at 2,000 on each one, which is huge for us. Also, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. We have five different tiers of membership. Every tier gets access to the weekly chat now, which is exclusively on Patreon, as well as an additional bonus episode. So at $2, $5, $10, $25, or $100, you can become a patron of our show. Every tier has a bunch of awesome perks, like video messages. $10 gets you access to our Discord. We have watch parties on there. We're communicating with you and chatting, sending gifts and memes all the time. It's a GIF. 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 I well, don't. the uh, guy who created it says it's Jiff. Are you sure? Yeah. When did he create it? I fucking don't know. What's his name? Jiffrey? Tell me to actually Google it. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know it? I don't name, have that information his stored. Is, his name is Jiffrey. <laughs> <laughs> $25 gets you a custom episode as well as some free merchandise. $100 is the ultimate tier. You get a private watch party, tons of merch, video message, and you can even come on the show after three months of being in that tier for a fun guest segment. Thanks to Patreon for supporting us financially. You are the reason why we can do this show full-time for you and make a stupid amount of content every week. This episode is also sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order today. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, And even cool backlighting for all of your poster needs. We have a ton of these amazing posters decked out all over our home, all over our set and bedrooms. For movie fans, for TV fans, there's no better way to express your fandom than by decking your place out with a ton of these incredible movie posters from movieposters.com. Be sure to use our promo code again, Raiders 10, to get 10% off your order today. Now, let's get into our <laughs> Trailer intermission. intermission on Raiders of the Lost podcast. Let's begin with the movie quote competition. You ready? Ready. How about we rent a nice Cadillac? My treat! We could call a limo, a nice stretch job with a TV and a bar. How about that? <sighs> Can you say it again? How about we rent a nice Cadillac? My treat! We could call a limo, a nice stretch job with a TV and a bar. How about that? I don't know. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. When Cameron's trying to convince Ferris not to take the Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Yeah, um, because Alan Ruck is uh, obviously Connor. Yeah, Connor and Cameron. Connor and Cameron. All right, here's my quote. I have struggled in vain, and I can bear it no longer. These past months have been a torment. I came to Rosings with the single object of seeing you. I had to see you. I have fought against my better judgment, my family's expectations, the inferiority of your birth by rank and circumstance. All these things I am willing to put aside and ask you to end my agony. you say it one more time? It's a little, a long a little more slowly. <laughs> you ain't got nowhere to be. <laughs> that's, true, that's, true, that's true. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I have struggled in vain. British accent, by the way. I just can't do one. I have struggled in vain and I can bear it no longer. These past months have been a torment. I came to Rosings with the single object of seeing you. I had to see you. I have fought against my better judgment. <laughs> it's it's high classing, British. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> my family's expectations, the inferiority of your birth by rank and circumstance. All these things I am willing to put aside and ask you to end. My agony. What the fuck is this? It sounds so goddamn familiar. I don't know. Pride and Prejudice. It's Darcy. Darcy. It's Darcy, man. Darcy. Darcy. Damn. Damn. All right, guess this movie release year. The girls are disappointed, by the way. (laughs) They're disappointed in you. I love, 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 love you. (laughs) Body, mind, and soul. (laughs) (laughs) Predestination. When did it come out? 2008. 2014. Way off. Awkward. Was Sarah Snook even acting back then? Probably not. <laughs> she's, <laughs> what? she's terrific in that movie. She has a very, very interesting, cool very role. cool role. What year did Pride and Prejudice come out? 2007. Six. Five. Five. <laughs> four. Three. <laughs> I feel like I said six. <laughs> oh, six, obviously. <laughs> 2005. The answer was O five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. Samsonite. I was <laughs> way off. Swanson. <laughs> Movie pop quiz time. What film does Jeremy Strong star in with Matthew McConaughey? Jeremy Strong and McConaughey? Huh. Jeremy Strong and McConaughey. Sorry, one second. Just let me let me rack my brain. No, you rack that brain, man. We ain't got nowhere to be. Like I said, <laughs> no rush. What the fuck? They've been in a movie together. Um, man. Let uh... me give you a quote for a hint. Sure, I'll take a quote. There's only one rule in the jungle: when the lion's hungry, he eats. Oh, he's in the gentleman. Yeah. Who is Jeremy Strong in the gentleman? He's like the gangster who betrays him. He's buying. The, he's buying oh my his, God! R- I was yeah. thinking Jeremy Irons. <laughs> oh my God! Oh my God! It was just. <laughs> yeah. Oh my! That I. S- I Simon kn- yeah. Simon says. I knew that. I knew that. The gentleman. Yeah. I knew that. I just I was picturing Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking a! I was like, what the fuck is Jeremy Irons been in with <laughs> Matthew <Mandy> McConaughey? <laughs> but yes, yes, uh, yeah. Jeremy Strong's great. <laughs> he's got a great <laughs> accent. All right. Such a bozo. (laughs) All right, which episode of Black Mirror did Joe Wright direct? You don't have to give me the title, but like, can you describe the episode? Joe Wright, an episode of Black Mirror. I'll give you a hint that it's one of the best. It's one of the best episodes. That's very subjective, though. It's, Uh, but yeah, I'll figure it it out. It's one of the best. (laughs) (sighs) Joe Wright. Joe Wright. Can I get a, is it before season four? <laughs> Let me check what season it's in. It's a newer season. I don't know the names by heart. I'm what, saying you don't have to know, you don't have to tell me the name. Just tell me what like the idea is. All right, I'm going to take a, well, I feel like he didn't do San Juniper since that's such a big one. It's got a big star in it. I'll tell you. Yeah. Got a very, um, it's, it's one of the biggest stars in, in an episode. I'm guessing the John Hamm one. Incorrect. Incorrect. The cur- the uh season three. It's a season three episode. The horror one? The horror game? No, it's the Bryce Dallas Howard episode. Oh, the social yeah. credit one. It's called Nosedive. Oh, he directed that? Yeah, he directed that's, that. That's such a good fucking episode. See, it's one of the best, right? Damn. That that's a scary one because it seems like of all the technology, it seems very plausible. Yeah. Um what what's it called? Something currency? Um, social Credit. Social credit. Social credit, yeah. Scary your stuff, jinx. jinx. <laughs> All right, Antoine. Do we have any haters? Any Raider haters? Raider haters. Raider, raiders. Oh yeah, we got some Raider haters today. I always <laughs> like put on like a, a Louisiana like or like a Florida, sh- Florida like a truck. No, it's like Florida Gators like Raider haters. <laughs> Uh, George made a post of his top movies of 2003 on TikTok, and I commented, we all know Fast X is the greatest film of the century. Come on, bro. But then uh, Eddie wrote, you're joking right. You meant of all time. (laughs) Unsubscribed. (laughs) 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 Jay Kelly in our Spider-Verse clip. I mean, people have been saying how great it looked for its budget. It doesn't take long to put two and two together, talking about how the animators left and were overworked and underpaid. It's sad. Unsubscribed. Yeah, it's very actually. It's a grim, unsubscribed, but it's true. Um, hold on sorry, we got more. One more. <laughs> J. Kelly also wrote. <laughs> this is a good one. Um, I it was a comment I made of. The we're talking about the Ray Skywalker new movie, in the synopsis. <laughs> J. Kelly wrote. Luke rebuilt the order in a cave with a box of scraps. (laughs) 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 I simply asked you to build it again, also unsubscribed. (laughs) Sick reference, bro. All right, we have a great five-star review from Jack Friedman. Best podcast ever. I've listened to your podcast for a year now and has completely replaced music in my runs. Oh yeah. yeah, Jack. Hope you're getting those miles in, bro, right now while you're listening to this one. Appreciate it. We're, we broke 1,700 reviews on nice, Apple.: Nice, so we have five, we have 1,700 ratings, 1703, 4.9. What do you listen to when you run? Um, if I bring my headphones, uh, I'll listen to like usually sometimes like a podcast or an audiobook or something like that, but uh, it's like 50/50 if I bring my headphones or not. Yeah. And my streaming recommendation for this episode is going to be a film on Hulu Speed. Alan Rock's also on that. Dun, dun. <laughs> He's on It's a great fucking theme, <laughs> fucking great theme. Oh my god! Uh, my streaming recommendation is everybody wants some Richard Linklater's film from 2016 about a college baseball team and their three weeks, their three days of hanging out, partying. And getting into all sorts of shenanigans before the start of the school year. And it's so much fun. It's, it really harkens back to days and Confused. Uh, it's just like a group of guys just being guys. <laughs> and it's just like, they did, it's so great because it accurately portrays like so many things that we did with our friends. Or things that we did uh, as teammates. Um, it was just like endlessly uh, relatable. Excellent cast too. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was super funny check it out everybody wants some it's not available free but it's just like a $2 Amazon rental or um another app rental nice let's get back into succession now this move this show has so much critical acclaim it's won 13 Emmys it's won outstanding drama series a few times Jeremy Strong has won an Emmy Jesse Armstrong for the song all the bells say for I mean for uh, for her, the episode for all the bells say for drama series writing also Brian Cox has been nominated who else has won so it it's won a bunch of golden globes as well so it won best series for both drama for for both golden globes and emmys in 2020 and 2022 uh Brian Cox and Jeremy Strong have both won best actor at the globes for and different emmys. years so Jeremy and they Strong? both won emmys yeah. yeah and then Sarah Snook won these best supporting actress globe in 2022 tons of awards and i expect succession to absolutely fucking sweep um this upcoming season the bear will do really well it looks like but i think that succession it being its last season oftentimes the final season if it's done well the academies really like them and i expect this show to win best drama series best episode directing episode directing best writing for an episode Best lead actor, best supporting actress, best supporting actor, and also best music for a television show. I expect it to win all of those in both the Emmys and the Golden Globes. It's going to be a huge juggernaut this this season. And now on IMDb, this show is an eight point nine overall, which is so goddamn high on. The user ratings list of all-time TV shows, it is at number 48. And to the music, Nicholas Bratel. Oh, yeah. Such a great composer. He does a ton of stuff. He does, in addition to this show, lots of movies. But, man, he's phenomenal. Yeah, the theme is really great. Um, it's very traditional and harkens back to classical composing. It feels like something that a, a famous composer from the 17th, 18th century would have written. And, actually, he's, he... Um, borrowed a bunch of cues from a, a Beethoven piece to um, Create the structure of the theme of succession um, But he he approaches it in a very traditional way while also blending in modern music modern electronics uh, Lots of hip-hop the hip-hop is Kendall in a way and then the the classical strings and piano is old money old wealth uh, comes from ages ago, and that's why Bertel I think chose to use very classical themes and ideas uh, with his musical writing and compositions uh, because the Logan Roy family comes from old money and it's a re- representation of the past and it stems from the past. But then also you get New Blood with the kids and Kendall. And so you get the hip-hop beats. You get the 808. 808, yeah, you get, 808 beats. You get the, uh, so the electronics. You get some interesting, uh, you get those Jamaican percussions, you know what I mean? Um he does a great blend of old and new, which really creates a stunning composition from season to season. And at the moment it's it's one of my favorite uh IPs of music to listen to is the is the entire Succession all the season soundtracks. They're really it's really stunning. And it's one of my favorite themes of the last few years. And let's run through the cast real quick because there's a ton of main players. We have Nicholas Braun as Greg Hirsch, a.k.a. Greg the Egg. Brian Cox as Logan Roy. Karen Culkin as Roman Roy. Peter Friedman as Frank Vernon. Matthew McFadyen as Tom Womskins, Alan Rock as Connor Roy. Sarah Snook as Shiv Roy. Jeremy Strong, Kendall Roy. Jay smith Cameron as, as Jerry Kelman. Scott Nicholson as Colin Colin Stiles. Deme- uh Dagmara Dominikovic as Carolina Novotny and then other main players he and Abbas is Marcia Roy we have also Marsha Marsha g- I'm sorry Marsha <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård <laughs> as Lucas Madsen Adrian Brody is in their first season as well who else was huge in this show let me run through this a little bit. Well, Zoe um, Winters is Carrie yeah Rob Yang is Lawrence Yi. Julianna Canfield Jess Jordan who is Kendall's assistant stewie is played by on, oh, where is he what's his name uh oh arian moyed as stewie Hassani, and carl karl uh, muller is david rash did you get uh justine loop as willa as willa and arian. then Jay smith cameron as jerry yeah yeah and that's basically rounds out the 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 main players on this show yeah all yeah. terrific actors oh fisher stevens is hugo baker he's yeah, awesome yeah, he's, yes but then we get some we get guest spots um shauna Lathans in some Uh, Holly Hunter shows up in season two. Uh, We also get, um, there's another great small role by a big star. I can't, it escapes me right now. But there's a lot of great small roles that well-known actors come in for piece. Oh, um, Danny Houston is in the first season a lot in the second season. And ironically, both he and Brian Cox played the character Strider in X-Men movies. It's funny oh yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> yeah so danny houston played strider santa lathan uh is yeah. lisa arthur she's the lawyer yeah um shiv's lawyer danny houston played the character in origins wolverine and then brian cox played the character in the original x-men trilogy <laughs> oh man that's funny yeah that was the um i think the first thing i saw brian cox in possibly in x-men 2 x2 yeah that's right yeah, yeah yeah i think that was the first thing I. but also um also the borns yeah he's great because but x2 came out before that yeah. born or no he's at the born first the first born came Bourne out. was like oh yeah oh, one, 2000, right? 2001 yeah but also brian cox played a wonderful version of hannibal lecter and manhunter michael Mann's incredible film um watch it yeah watch it it's the same it's the same novel as the edward norton hannibal lecter movie red dragon Red dragon but um it's it's way better because Michael Mann made it. <laughs> he's he's it's just awesome. the fucking best. It's sexy as fuck, too. Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> it's a really great movie, but Brian Cox played an excellent Hannibal Lecter. He is never, it's never really talked about, but he did a great job in that role. Yeah, because serial killer roles changed so much after, I think, probably the 90s, especially once Anthony Hopkins took on that role, and then going into, you know, John Doe with Seven and going forward, I think they just got more out. Like stylish, I would say is. But the also, color. I mean, yeah. But in Silence of the Lambs*, Hannibal has a better role in the story of escaping, whereas in *Manhunter*, Hannibal uh, he tries to escape, but um, that's he, what I mean. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have m- as much to do as yeah as uh, Hannibal in Silence of the Lambs*, True. but he actually has more screen time. Yeah, he's awesome. All right, how about we go through some of the best episodes of the show? Let's do it. So I pulled up IMDb's user rating top ten, and so they, these are the user ratings top rated episodes. So Episode Nobody is Ever Missing is number 10 at 9.2. Shantashire is at number 9 with a 9.2 rating. Then DC is at number 8. Turnhaven is number 7. Church and State is number 6. America Decides is, episode 5, is number 5. Can you 5. throw in the seasons as well? So Okay, yeah. sorry. I believe that's episode, episode 5. America Decides is season 4. Then next up with Open Eyes is season 4 as well. All the that's bells. the last episode. Yeah, with open eyes. All, uh, all these are on our list as well, so I'll get into description as well. And then All the Bells Say is number three at 9.8. That was season th- two. Three. 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 This is penultimate season three. This Is Not for Tears was season two, 9.8 on IMDb. And then Connor's Wedding, which is <laughs> from season four, is a 9.9 yeah. on IMDb. So that's, that's number one. Ranked that's number one. Now we we'll go. I would through. say I love it. I wouldn't put it at number one though. Yeah, I guess I, I put um, This Is Not for Tears as my number one. Now, this is season two, episode 10. This is the season finale of, of season two. And this is the situation we were talking about earlier when Logan has finally broken down Kendall. And he says the lines, You're not a killer. You have to be a killer. Basically, that's why you're not going to be CEO and is blood sacrificing Kendall. But then the, the flip where Kendall betrays yeah. his father at the end of the press conference. So I think this is the... I think it's my favorite, and I think it's the, probably the best episode of the show. My favorite episode... It might be... All the bells say this. Is the finale of season three um, in Italy. And there's a great hour of narrative. Just panic and turmoil. It's during the the, the wedding, their mother's wedding. And... There's so many things going on behind the scenes and the wedding is just like uh, a surface level thing and but there's so much happening underneath it and Logan is trying to weasel the kids out and then the kids come together join forces when they find out that they're being strong armed and they go after Logan and uh, they go they confront Logan they're like you can't do this without our votes and then logan's like i fucked you guys i got your mom's so they got he got his ex-wife's vote and so they there's no there's nothing they can do about it um and it was so incredible because they're like how did we lose how did he know that they were coming because logan in a moment of panic went to his ex-wife when he found out the kids were coming for him and it's like how do they find out and then logan pats Tom on the shoulder in the hallway as he's walking through, revealing that Tom's the one who told Shiv. I mean, Tom's the one who told Logan what was up because Shiv told Tom on the phone. And Tom betrayed Shiv because, once again, he asked for some kind of confirmation of him getting out of this unscathed. And once again, she failed to give him any comfort. Uh, or anything that could make him feel at ease and he he was just like i'm done it's time for me to put myself first instead of you my wife and so tom betrayed shiv and then that finale was just so incredible i i think that's absolutely my favorite episode another great one all the finales are yeah the they episodes. do a great job with finales. so i think season four finale the last episode of the yeah. show with open eyes. Absolutely sensational. You know, everything's hinging on this tightly contested board vote. You know, the the siblings agree that we're going to vote for Kendall. Then, obviously, Shiv stabs her brother in the back. Kind of a metaphor also, for her name, so, Shiv. But like, but an, like an, Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's all good. Um, there's that, uh, I mean, I'm just saying before you get into that, the meal fit for the king scene, it, uh, it relates back to the season one when they're in the docking, Uh, in the dock, and they're joking around and and playing on the boat, Uh, like they used to do as kids, and it was just so reminiscent of that scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But this finale, it's devastation for Kendall, basically. The show is over. You know, these siblings, they've made billions and billions of dollars, but they are as unhappy as they have ever been in their entire lives, especially after the loss of their father, who they didn't even really love, you could say in a lot of ways, but... It's just an incredible it's incredible finale, and you know, I, I think they wrapped it up so well with a bow. Another great one, season one finale. nobody is ever missing. This is when Shiv and Tom get married in the wedding night. Shiv <laughs> tells Tom that she wants an open relationship, which is so messed up. And, and this, this is, is th- after she slept with Nate. Yeah, and yeah. this is also the night of Kendall's car crash. And uh, you're my my boy. You're my number one boy. Speech and hug from from Logan. So like you said earlier, this is where Logan finally gets complete control over Kendall. Yeah, and also Roman invites um, the girl that Tom hooked up with at the bachelor <laughs> party. <laughs> and, That's in my funniest moments. And so the the episode where Logan dies was at what's it called? Connor's, Connor's wedding. wedding, right? Um, it's so brilliant because. I love it because they, the, the way that the kids and the other members of the board deal with Logan's death is it's, it's, it's the same way they deal with a business deal. It's all these phone calls and checking in and saying, don't say this, don't say, hold on, we'll get back to you. What's, what's the feeling over there? And trying to figure out who's going to be the person to say something in front, of the, in front of the cameras. And they handled Logan's death like it was a business deal. And I found that to be such a, a brilliant correlation between how the family really is, it's actually a business in every regard, and everything is transactional. Even someone's death, it's being handled as if they're about to lose a deal, and they're trying to figure out how to close a deal. Um, I just found that to be my favorite aspect of that episode. Another great one, Season 1, Episode 6. This is where... Kendall tries to get some power in the episode. Which side are you on? This is when Kendall try- initiates a vote of no confidence to try and oust Logan Roy from Waystar. However, for the first time, he will lose in a board meeting vote for Waystar to get power of the company. Loses, Logan tells him to fuck off. I win. Get out of here. That See was you later. your best shot. Was- <laughs> you missed. You missed. <laughs> so good. Um, another, another, <laughs> he doesn't do well with board votes. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he has a bad track record. He cracker. hasn't won one yet. <laughs> another great episode. Season 3, Episode 9, All the Bells Say. This is a great one because, let's see, what did I write uh, That's down? the finale. I already talked about it. The finale? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then, okay, Season 2, Episode 4, Safe Room. This is a crazy one and, and one of the funniest because there is a potential terrorist at Waystar's headquarters. <laughs> and so everyone's just put into rooms. There's there's a safe room where some people are safe because it's an actual safe room. Then other people are just locked in conference rooms <laughs> like Tom and Greg, and we have the, the water bottle throwing at Greg, which is incredibly funny. But this is just an intense episode. It's really exciting. And I think it just like added so much to the season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great one. It's great. Season nine season four, episode nine, Church in State. This is The funeral of Logan Roy, and it's really terrific. We see lots of maneuvering of the characters, specifically with Kendall and Hugo. Kendall's trying to take things for himself, and... You he tells him to be his dog. Yeah. Woof, woof. Woof, woof. <laughs> the scraps are going to be millions. Roman's coffin side breakdown. He's trying to give the eulogy is really emotional as well. So, terrific episode. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot going on in that episode that reveals so much about the characters. And Roman proves himself, once again, to be incapable of being in power. And Kendall decides to be the killer that his father was. And then Shiv, what I found to be so interesting is she went to Frank and she's like... My dad, was not he wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't, like, bad, was he? She's coming to terms that maybe her father was, like, re- he really, truly was a, uh, a heinous and bad human being, and I think that she's realizing that, and she's struggling to come to terms with, you know, he was my dad, but we, was he a terrible person? And I thought that question that she asked Frank was such a, a bri- brilliant line of dialogue from the character of being worried that her father was, you know, a truly horrible and vile person season three episode six what it takes is another one this is where greg decides he's gonna sue greenpeace <laughs> 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 basically because they're gonna they're, get, they're getting his the majority of his inheritance from his grandfather also <laughs> uh kendall and tom have their dinner diner summit which is a great sequence as well and what else happens kendall is trying to get some allies to oust logan plus tom is terrified because he's facing jail time potentially for his involvement at waystar mm-hmm. season three episode seven is too much birthday this is this <laughs> kendall's number one boy birthday party which is just too much and it's hysterical oh the birthday party was a great yeah. one It ends yeah. up with like it's so cringe when uh even his brother pushes him on his own birthday it's it's pretty Pretty funny and I like the uh the the change of of costume for uh Kendall throughout the seasons and and this air in this time of his life he's just a mess and he's just kind of he's lost his identity so he's got he's wearing like the big chain he's he's just acting so desperately and you can see it in, in the the clothing's well done and so well done on the show we can talk about it in a little bit but uh, I think Kendall's Clothing choices are so indicative of where he his mental state is. Each Isn't time. He needs time. Really insecure in this episode about his jacket yeah. too. Yeah, the, the jacket. Yeah, he's got yeah. the chain in the jacket, yeah. and then he ends up spending his last hours of his birthday night crying and laying in the lap of Naomi Pierce, which is just so so depressing. Do you want to talk about a little Tom and Greg? Yeah, we, I mean, haven't, I, even, we haven't even talked about Tom and Greg. I, well, let's get to funniest moments because a lot of them are, are okay, Tom okay, and Greg. Okay, okay. So. Uh, <laughs> A list of, of my uh, funniest moments includes Tom attacking Greg with the water bottles, then Tom flipping that table in Greg's <laughs> office and destroying it. And I, I think their dynamic is incredible because Greg is... Tom is the only person that actually likes Greg. No one actually likes Greg, but he is blood. And that's why he kind of weasels his way into the Waystar company by being a cousin of the siblings, being the bloodline. He's the grandfather. He's the grandson of Logan's brother. So he's part of the family. Technically. Tom Tom does in the first time that they ever meet. He says, um, "I got your back. I'll take care of you. Yeah, basically. I'll take care of you." He says, "I'll take care yeah. of you." That's their first ever interaction. He takes him out to he's like, "I'll teach you how to be rich, basically." <laughs> so like, because Tom sees himself in Greg, he's an outsider as well. And mm-hmm. you know, Greg, even though he will get an inheritance once his grandfather dies, which he fucks up later on because he could get like a hundred mil, but then he ends up only getting five mil because he betrays his grandfather by going with another lawyer, because his grandfather wants to use Greg to take down his brother and take down Waystar, but Greg decides to go against it, and so he's gonna give his inheritance to Greenpeace, which Greg later sues Greenpeace later on. I love when he's sitting down with the lawyer, and he doesn't realize what this is. (laughs) (laughs) He just runs away. But I love every scene with these two. Tom and Greg, they're just such a great dynamic. It's either hilarious and silly and funny, or... It's cringe, or Tom is attacking Greg, and even Greg betrays Tom at one point. It takes four seasons for it to really happen, but he does betray Tom. Tom, Tom takes out all of the feelings, all of his negative feelings on Greg, because Tom, the, the Roy's do to Tom what Tom does to Greg, in a way. They're not as vulgar and physical with the abuse, but he is basically the, the Roy punching bag in a lot of ways. And there's nothing he can do about it, no matter how many times he's insulted, no matter how many times he's put down, he can never say anything because he has no power. He's not a real member of the family. And so he takes all of that pressure and all that pain and he, he puts it on to Greg. That's why he is oftentimes abusive to Greg emotionally and physically, while also being like the only person that's truly a friend to him in a lot of ways. But he can be very cruel to Greg. And Greg is kind of in the same situation where, you know, there's nothing Greg can do about the shit he gets. He just has to take it. He can't, like, talk back. He can't give Tom shit. Although in the last season, he does start fighting back. and He, st- he does start arguing with Tom and trying to push back until he does eventually betray him in a big way um, by letting the cat out of the bag with Matson. But, you know, Tom is a victim of, of the Roys, and then he makes Greg a victim of him as a way of putting that on himself. They're both bloodlines. They're they're attached to bloodlines, so Tom's bloodline to Waystar is through his wife and through the company. Basically, that's how he's connected, and then even though Greg's family, if it wasn't for Tom, he wouldn't even be in the corporate headquarters of Waystar at all. It's the only reason why he's still there is because he takes him under his wing, and he's the highest-paid personal assistant in America, he says. (laughs) 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 But um, Tom and Greg, they're a dynamic duo, and some of my funniest moments besides that include... The wasabi incident with Greg, where he <laughs> he accidentally pushes the sushi tray, and the guy gets wasabi in his eyes before he has to go on camera. Uh, Tom eats Logan's chicken. There's the scene where he and Shiv it's it's on the w- yacht on the yacht. They're like in, I think they're in Italy, and then Tom he's just been beaten down so much, and he goes up to Logan, sits down at the table, and Logan's like, "You okay, Tom?" Tom just takes a bite out of his drumstick and eats his chicken. And he's and Logan's like, "What the fuck, Tom?" and Tom's like. Thank you for the chicken. Thank you for the chicken, Logan. And then walks away. <laughs> um, Greg sues Greenpeace, super funny. I mean, the best scene is when Tom finds out he's not going to jail and he goes into Greg's office and tears it apart. Flips the table, yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg smokes that joint and pukes through his mascot costume and episode one. also really funny as well. There's so many other funny moments, but those are some of my favorites. Yeah. I think some of the best moments of the show in general for great scenes include... Actually, let's do cringe moments first, because that's kind of similar. Oh, yeah. So, Kendall backing out of that TV show that he's supposed to go on, that is a really cringe moment where he hides in, like, the back room afterwards where he's supposed to be on the air. Connor's proposal to Willa is pretty cringe. Pretty much any time he's being intimate with her Yeah, fuck it. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? (laughs) (laughs) Kendall begging, like, a three-year-old to get the vote from Shiv in the finale. Very cringe. Kendall rapping uh, at Logan's birthday party is cringe. L to the O G, dude be the O G A and he playing, playing like a pro. Something like that. <laughs> Connor's run for presidency is very cringe because he can't even get getting that one percent, point one percent, barely. Yeah. Uh, Kendall not buying that watch for Greg. I think it's season one where he promises Greg will buy him a watch, but then, like, he won't buy him the watch, and at the party, Greg ends up paying for the watch with, like, a credit card. <laughs> it's like a $20,000 watch. Um, the bachelor party. Yeah, so snowballing. This is when snowballing, this is pretty pretty out there, guys. This is when Tom swallows his own load after oh. getting a blowjob at his bachelor party. It's called snowballing. <coughs> <laughs> Kendall, Kendall telling that banker to fuck off when he can't get a loan for waste He's like hey fuck off, and the guy's like I don't appreciate that kind of language. Uh, Logan makes the meat off the floor doing the boar on the floor, and then also Kendall's coked out pitch to those art chicks, the art girls. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> also, anytime Kendall interacts with his kids, is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Kendall doesn't know where his children are. Big surprise. <laughs> oh my god so funny so, um also uh, um the scene with willa and connor and it's season it's season four and they're talking connor wants to live in that middle eastern country and be ambassador and Willa's is like yeah well we're figuring it out and she clearly wants to stay there and keep working in theater and he wants to go there it's just their whole their whole relationship is cringe everything and what's funny is when they have it worked out where he's gonna be overseas and she's gonna be there and then they find out it's not gonna happen and she's like oh crap (laughs) (laughs) so he's gonna be here full time (laughs) Roman's like it's 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 perfect right it works out better right (laughs) she's like fuck some of the most fucked up moments from the show including Shiv asking for an open relationship on her wedding night to Tom Kendall kind of kills that kid (laughs) Roman sending a dick pic to his father Oh my god! Thinking sending it to Jerry. All the that's ones, the most cringe moment. All the ones he sends to Jerry are fucked up as well. Are you a fucking sicko? <laughs> I love when he does it and he keep he's Roman, like smirking. Roman, Roman keeps looking at his phone. He's like, "How come she hasn't responded yet?" <laughs> and then Logan's like, "What the fuck is this?" But I love like the sm- the smirk on his face after he sends it. He's like, "Yeah, I got it done. I sent her the dick pic." He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> it's like his greatest moment, and then it turns into his worst moment ever. It's amazing. Logan making Kendall go into the dead kid's parents house oh my god. <laughs> that's tough that was terrible oh my god and then Shim te- Shiv telling Tom she doesn't love him during their dirty talking yeah and she says he, in something like you'll you love me even though you know I don't love you it's really horrible and then the next day he's, she's like it was just dirty talk he's like yeah dirty yeah that's dirty talk um <laughs> I think that's when he goes and eats Logan's chicken after that um maybe yeah maybe yeah maybe could be could be (laughs) (laughs) all right let's talk some of the best scenes though and best moments so I think a meal fit for a king is a great sequence because they finally come together and voted together as a family and as siblings to nominate Kendall obviously doesn't work out for Kendall but in that moment I think that was a really special scene for them because they had so many such few scenes of being siblings that cared about each other yeah and family and and laughing and and playing around family this is like one of the only moments where it actually happens in four seasons of the show um tom and shiv that balcony fight in season four during that that uh july no the uh the night of the election party whatever the pre the the pre-election election night night. night, yeah that balcony fight was incredible what a scene that's one of the best yeah that's definitely one of the best scenes in the entire show it was incredible the kids finding out logan is dead on Connor's wedding cruise ship yacht is also a very important and tragic sequence which they did this whole sequence in a one in not in, all in one take with multiple cameras because they shot in film so they would switch cameras when one was running out of film but they did this all in one take and the majority of the of this episode is a one take yeah they, the, the behind the scenes is really fascinating they basically played it like a theater play yeah and we're just filming the entire thing for I think they said it was like a 25-minute sequence of just straight through of performing the entire script for 25 minutes straight. It's really cool. Even though it cuts a couple yeah. times, it's still but that's the way most of it's it. one take. Yeah. Next up, another great moment, season four, when Logan finds the kids at the karaoke bar. He tells them, "You, I love you, but you are not serious people about who's going to be CEO, basically, or succession going forward because they're all trying to get him out. Mm-hmm. Try to take over for themselves. I love the um, Kendall and Logan dinner um, at the estate in Italy. Yeah, where Kendall's asking him to buy him out so that he can just be gone and never see him again, and Logan refuses. That's I love that scene, scene too because. Logan thinks that Kendall's trying to poison him too. <laughs> <laughs> he won't eat the He won't eat the food. <laughs> he's like, it's this is one of the best chefs in Italy. You can have the food. It's it's terrific. You should like, try. I'm not poisoning you, Dad. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm not eating this. <laughs> but um, he won't even he won't even let Kendall go. Yeah, that's what's really fascinating. Kendall wants out. He's like, just buy me out. But Logan's like, you're not getting, you're not even getting the, the payout. I want, He doesn't want Kendall to get anything from him. And also, Logan Kendall. Kendall says I don't want to be you and he says I'm not you but it's such a great moment because he deep down he does he's lying here he wants to be Logan he's just failed is all it is and he's he just wants to be done but we learn obviously in season four like there's nothing he wants more than to be his father so him saying that he doesn't want to be Logan right now is a complete lie Another great moment is Tom betraying Shiv as a cliffhanger at the end of season three that we talked about earlier. Who warned Logan that the kids were on their way with the votes that they gathered together to finally take down their father? Tom warned Logan. Oh, yeah. It's great moments. And then I think the best moment of the show is when Tom is named successor and named CEO of Waystar Corporations, and the kids lose. Mattson wins. Shiv doesn't vote for Kendall and the roys are bought out of waystar forever yeah i also think that roman going off of Matson was a great moment yeah yeah that was a really out that out was of a really emotional moment because roman um he often prefers to go to comedy and sarcasm and vulgarity whenever as a as opposed to embracing emotion and and actual human qualities <laughs> And so to see him actually open up like that and let all of his true emotions out, it's something that you never saw Roman do before. Yeah, there's a great line. I can't remember what season it is, but Logan goes to Roman because he's laughing so loud and obviously uses humor as a defense mechanism to get attention as well. And he goes, he's like, La- laugh as loud as, laugh like the rest of us. If we didn't get you from a hyena farm because he laughs so loud. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> Who's your favorite Roy? My favorite Roy... First first of the siblings and then in general. It's, uh, my favorite Roy... Fuck, this is tough. Of the siblings? Yeah. I would say that Shiv's my favorite. Why? She... is extremely capable. Super funny. She's got some of the best comedy and some of the best lines. Um, but also, um, she is kind of an outsider for being the, the only woman of the bunch and being the only girl of the family. And so she has a chip on her shoulder that she's always trying to like run uphill. And nothing comes easy to her. Um, but I also think that she ultimately is one of the best um, antagonists of the film for other people um the way she betrays people the way that she treats um the only person who loves her she really i, th- I think all the kids are are horrible people and she's no exception she <laughs> is a horrible person she's a terrible all all the roys are terrible terrible human beings and she's absolutely one of the worst for sure in a lot of ways in some ways she is the worst kid yeah i i couldn't i can't pick her because of what she does to tom throughout the whole show And that's why I think that Tom deserves what he gets at the end. You know, I think he deserves CEO from everything he's been through, not just from the Roys, but from his wife as well. But also, Shiv has the best fashion sense, too. Yeah. She's the most stylish. She's very stylish. I think Kendall's my favorite because of just the the tragedy of the character is so appealing from an entertainment value and a connection, you know. I think a lot of people can relate to the ups and downs. that The meme Yeah, the meme but the ups and downs of Kendall Roy's life, everyone has ups and downs, and I think that his are so drastic compared to everyone else's. You know, Shiv and Tom, they have lots of ups and downs too, but I think Kendall's ups and downs, you know, Icarus flying too close to the sun, I think he's a very metaphorical character when it comes to Great literature and Shakespearean Shakespearean stories, even Greek mythology. So I think that I think he's the most well written character and the most entertaining in terms of everyone on the show. I think he's he's up there for me. He's also a terrible father. Yeah, he's a ter- he's a bad guy. They're all bad. They're all bad. What's interesting though is low and is Kendall more and more into the show begins behaving as much more like Logan, especially in terms of his family and personal life. Where he just lets, he and the other kids, they are raised by maids. And he's basically, he would like the same for his kids, especially in the end where he's, he's threatens Rava by saying, I'm going to take the kids. Um, so he's basically doing exactly what Logan did when he was a child with Logan's family. And so in a lot of ways, he's, he's got this separation with his family. But he also won't let anyone else have his family. He doesn't want anyone else to have his family. Not even their, their true mother. And also, what's, what's really great about the, the isolation of the kids from Logan, because Logan got um, custody, and then their mom moved to Italy. I mean, moved to England, where she was from. But Logan, being their father, still, he wasn't there. He was there but he wasn't there as a father. He was still Logan Roy. He was always 24/7 Waystar Logan Roy. And even though in the kids you know they joke about how they used to play in in the office and like they, they were around Logan but there was always a distance. And you see that distance often a lot of times where Logan even at events, even at parties, he's often sitting by himself and he's often alone. But you see, it, you see the distance in every episode with the opening credits. And there's all this great Super 8 footage of family events, family moments, uh, B-roll of the kids when they were young um, on the estate they grew up on, and of Logan when he was younger, middle-aged man. And what's interesting is most of that is shown through the POV of the kids. We're seeing mostly them as the subjects of each shot. And then Logan is in the distance, you know, Logan is the kids are looking at Logan and he's like across the state or he's across the room and there's no actual like meaningful interactions. The only time that Logan's with one of the kids is like they're posing for a photo in one of the shots. But otherwise Logan is always at a far distance from the kids showing that um, he was there, but he was never a father to them in a real way. And then it cuts to. The final two shots of the opening credits is Logan's back at the dinner table, at the head of the table, still kind of isolated from everyone else. And then it cuts to present-day Logan's back at a boardroom meeting, still kind of cut away from and distanced from his children. And so the opening credits do a wonderful job of translating that distance in their relationship of father to children in a brilliant way. True, and also... I wonder if Kendall's kids not being his own blood has something to do with maybe if he had his own children of bi- biologically, would he treat them a little different? Would he actually be more involved in their lives? Highly doubt that. Highly, Prob- highly, probably not. Highly doubt it. Probably not at all. Yeah. And, and the thing with, with Roman and Kendall, going back to how Kendall becomes more like Logan in his, in his decisions later through the show, when they both become co-CEOs, I think we see how either one of them would be a bad option option for the company because they immediately start fucking shit up, and you know they they're acting erratic, making decisions without even thinking about it at all. Firing Jerry on the spot. Are you gonna fire he, next? Me? Fi- yeah, fires Jerry. Oh man, you're on fire, man! I love it. Let, he, fuck it. He fires the movie studio. Exec. Yeah, the exu- yeah, the studio per- executive fires Jerry. And Kendall's like, yeah, whatever, dude, yeah. F- fuck, fuck it, it. fuck you're it, man. Let's fuck gonna shit up. You're going to fire me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at you, you're on fire. So even though they're having fun, they're not making great decisions for the company. Roman can't handle the responsibility. He can't, he can't handle the crown. And he, he falls apart whenever he's put in the power. And the breaking down at the funeral during the speech is an example of that. Firing people emotionally and erratically is an example of that. He would make an absolutely terrible CEO, and Jerry tells him that she's like, "You would be horrible." And then even though he wants it, he thinks he wants it. They're all, they're all manipulated as children, and now as young as adults as um, vying for this, and like, "This is like my destiny, I should be the CEO." But ultimately, none of them have it in them. And Roman, is, Roman um, I mean, obviously Connor is the least capable, but Roman is next least capable. Probably, yeah. Shiv would be a much better CEO than Re- than Roman. Shiv would probably be the best CEO of the bunch. Well, it's tough to say because it's between Shiv and Kendall, and the thing that the show does so well for Kendall's entire arc is by the time we're mid-season four going into the finale, Kendall's had a great couple of episodes and a great little bit of time rebound of being yeah. a CEO, co-CEO, making decent decisions outside of Jerry being fired, but he didn't fire Jerry. He didn't fire the movie executive. Those are all Roman's decisions, which he could use against Roman if there was ever a need to get him out of the CEO, co-CEO position, as well as he has that great presentation with Living Plus, and he increases the value of Waystar Corp, and he also you know increases the value of the sale to Gojo. Yeah. So Kendall is shaping up to be a potential successor for real by the end of Season 4 until... Shiv doesn't vote him in, but I do. Th- I think that Roman could have taken it if he was able to handle it because he actually manipulated his way into the pocket of the eventual president elect, Macon's. Macon's. He is the one who, from day one, was pulling for Macon's, and the Macon's uh, trust Roman more than anyone. So he was not an- he was the guy for the new president. But then he broke down at the funeral. Um, Make and Macon's was like. That like This guy's a joke. He's not really the, the real deal. But remember, Kendall was in a panic election night because Roman was taking charge and taking control, and he had Mankins, and Kendall didn't have makins. And he also called the election. Exactly. Yeah. He called the election. So Roman, he had it. He had it, I think, in the bag. You get the... He was basically going to be buddies with the president, and that would have led to him having a lot more clout in the board so i think that roman set himself up to get it but then he ended up failing because he can't he couldn't handle it yeah i think that's that's a great point yeah and then shiv shiv was put in a corner because the the boys they were working behind her back they said that they would keep her involved even though she wasn't on paper part of the ceo partnership but the first, first, the first fucking deal that came up, they they did it behind her back. Yeah, and right from the get go, they didn't involve her in important decision making. They were just basically informing her after the fact multiple times. So she was in a corner where I'm not gonna get anything here. These two fuckers are already working on keeping me out, and so I think Shiv Shiv made the best, um, one of the best plays as well. They all made the three, the three of them made great, three great plays. And she was like, "I have nowhere to go except for Matson, so I'm going to use Matson and try and coax him into making me the American CEO that way I can muscle the brothers out, and I can get it that's That was her only option, and she played it, and she played it really well, and ultimately, it didn't work out for her because I think Matson was threatened by her, and he just she just gave up too much information that yeah. she didn't realize he wanted to hear exactly. When it, and she revealed, Like you said, she revealed that Tom actually was the perfect candidate for him. But I also think that Madsen was threatened by her. And that's why, he, that's why in that email, it said to be named instead of her name for CEO. It just said in parentheses to be named. That was Madsen. He hadn't chosen Tom yet, but he, was just, he knew he didn't want Shiv. So she made a great play, but she came on way too strong and scared Madsen off. Yeah, she could have got it. She could have gotten it. They all, yeah, they all, all three of them could have had it at some point. Yeah. And Kendall didn't get it because he was such a, an asshole to Shiv. <laughs> yeah, because he's his whole life he's been uh, an an entitled asshole and always thought it was gonna be his. Yeah. Is he thought it was his birthright? We missed we missed one of the best moments of the show. What There's election a lot. election night? Shiv said she was on the phone with um <laughs> yes <laughs> with uh what's his name um and Nate. That, Nate in the others, and then Kendall, Kendall's like, "All right, what they say?" She's like, "Oh, you know that they're they're thinking about it," and that he goes and calls them, and and they reveal that she never called him, and then he just looks at her through the glass, and she's she looks at him, and they make eye contact, and she's like, "Fuck," <laughs> I love that. That's that was a great good. moment. She's trying to hold off as long as she yeah. can hide it, even though she's lying. Yeah. It's a great moment. It's a great great moment. I loved it. Lot, I love the backstabbing. It's great show's so good. Yeah, it's a really remarkable show. I mean, we could go on for like eight more hours. I have some fun facts. Yeah, let's get some facts in here, dude. So Brian Cox was the first to suggest making Logan a Scottish person. Now, originally Logan was Quebecian, but that was turned down. He was later informed late into season one that filming... Filming that Logan was actually changed to Scottish. So they decided to go with Scottish after Brian Cox was pushing for it. He's Scottish too, right? Yeah, he actually is from a, a, a town called Dundee, and they, that, they wrote that's where Logan's from. Uh, Brian, Clark, Brian Cox also claimed that playing Logan Roy resulted in the first time in his career in which everyone in public recognized him on both name and face. So, we've all... We, I mean, we've been fans of him for a long time, but I just think that still, if, if you're a fan of movies, you'll know a celebrity, like, no problem, but, like, for the average person walking in the street... They won't have the same sense of an actor, who you might have. So that's an example of like probably people were like, "Hey, are you that actor? Or what's your name?" Uh, I've seen you and stuff. But now they know him both by name and face. Yeah, Kelly Murphy had that with with mm-hmm. Piggy Blinders. Yeah. No one recognized me in public except yeah. until Piggy Blinders. Yeah, until Piggy blew him up. <clears throat> Director Adam McKay successfully advocated for shooting the series on 35 millimeter film instead of digital, which I think looks really fantastic. And he did it to give the show a more classical look. And connected to the saga, an idea of old money. Actor Nicholas Braun said that his characterization of Cousin Greg was partly inspired by a guest he observed of uh, at a wedding he, he went to. This guest was dancing awkwardly, but very freely. And Braun said he was just recklessly himself on the dance floor, not judging himself for it at all, not embarrassed. And everybody's looking at him being like, what the hell is this guy doing? And I thought, there's a part of Greg that's like this guy he can just really enjoy... Fearlessly being himself, no matter how odd he is. Now, in the opening credits, there is a brief image of an ATM broadcast. The on-screen headline says, "Gender fluid illegals may be entering the country twice." <laughs> oh my god! And the ticker below that says, "Dem senator wants to create Supreme Court," <laughs> and his sweet cheeks now considered hate speech. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny I like how they updated it for season 3 and 4 going forward like the app on the phone and stuff like that oh yeah absolutely Jerry Hall who is the fourth wife of Rupert Murdoch the founder of Fox News is a fan of the show and Elizabeth Murdoch Rupert's daughter also watches the show and it was reported that she identifies or even believes that the character of Siobhan Roy is modeled after her and if you they actually look similar they do they look pretty similar Uh, The series costuming has been credited for popularizing the trend of stealth wealth and the quiet luxury idea referring to designer clothing with neutral tones and minimalist designs free of logos. Um, I think that also has something to do with um, rights to clothing, which is why you don't see logos in many shows. You have to ask for permission and the rights to use brands and logos. So I think there is a little mix of both of those things. So uh, if you see the clothing, you're not seeing anything. In terms of like, you know, there aren't like purses or coats or jackets or anything with logos on them. But that's, I think that's more of a rights issue than trying to be stealth wealth only. You know what I mean? And then Brian Cox said that Logan Roy is modeled on three men. Rupert Murdoch, the founder of Fox, Conrad Black, Canadian newspaper man who was born in Montreal, and Sumner Redstone, who was the CEO of CBS Viacom awesome stuff dude Nine. awesome stuff there's also a, a motif of water in the show just to like tie it tie this episode off with a bow specific river with... <laughs> <laughs> specifically with Kendall um he has moments of either being submerged in water swimming whether it be a, oh yeah, yeah a horrible moment of his life or the best moment of his life you know Kendall almost drowning or kind of falling into the pool I fell off the floaties sort of like uh everyone thinks it is his attempted suicide while he's drunk Kendall at the rehab in that natural jacuzzi spa Kendall swimming in the ocean after the living plus presentation goes well and he's actually got a smile on his face he's basically kind of free from his father's control a greatest moment and then bad things also happen in the water obviously he kills that kid in the water he also, the ending sh- ending shot of the show is him staring at the water. Yeah. Staring at the uh, little river in in New York right there. Mm-hmm. The little tiny stream. <laughs> <laughs> the Hudson Bay. The ocean. The bay. <laughs> and also water ties to the Roy family in general. It's of Kendall. Logan and Ewan were silently stranded for days while crossing the Atlantic during World War II. That's revealed in at the funeral. Uh, Ewan gives that great speech. The Roy children learn about Logan's passing while on open water during Connor's yacht wedding. Their family's corporate original sin involves a series of drownings covered up for covered up on their cruise division. Cruises, yeah. And basically, also a metaphor of just Ken. Kendall. It always relates to Kendall. Always comes back to Kendall. Can he? Is he going to drown in this weight of? trauma or is his weight swim? of wealth and yeah. in, in, in everything that's going on with his family or can he swim eventually he can't keep his head above the water he's gonna drown. drown Jeremy Strong said that when they did the filming of that his final scene staring out in the Bay he said that they did a take where he jumped off almost jumped off yeah well like he, he play acted jumping off he tried to I think. yeah yeah he didn't try to they let him do it just because he, he said let's try it and they're like let's film it see what happens yeah, that probably... that's what I thought he was going to do. Yeah. I thought he was going to run into that fence and jump over and just fucking kill himself. That would have be been very Kindle. Because um, even though he's still wealthy, ultimately, I think the kids all know that they need... the re- I think the way they use the idea of legacy and maintaining what dad wanted in the Season 4 plot of trying to keep Waystar and stopping the deal with Madsen... As a way of making an excuse for the idea that they know they can't ever build anything like this. They know deep down none of them can do it. And that's why, that's really why I think Kendall initially is like, fuck the deal. Let's fuck it. And then Roman's like, yeah, whatever, fuck it. Because they, Logan, Logan says to the kids once, I think in season three, when they're having a, we're having a, they're having a fight. And he goes, build your own fucking thing. He's like, tell do build your own fucking empire. You have money, do it but they know Kendall knows he'll never he'll never be able to build anything like this and they ever. even they even have that idea of that other yeah. what was it like the 100 yeah, the 100s yeah, yeah, right? yeah the 100s and they they could do gonna, that yeah it's but it's not going to be Waystar yeah so, and when Madsen's trying to get the deal done and they're just busting his balls and he's like he's like what's your problem i'm trying to make you i'm trying to make you rich yeah kendall's like already rich money means nothing to them because they've had billions of dollars their entire life what's another 20 billion dollars to add on top of 20 billion dollars like it means nothing to them so they realize that we need waste art that's the only thing that keeps gives us lifeblood yeah it means nothing like kendall is empty without it yeah he he knows he can't ever do anything that his father did he knows it that's deep down the the deep insecurity of Kendall is he knows he'll never be his father. He knows he'll never do anything as great as his father did. And that's why he's afraid to do something on his own. I'm disappointed. Disappointed that you tried. <laughs> Just like Inception. Inception. <laughs> <laughs> kind of similar. Did someone Inception Kendall? <laughs> Probably. Probably. It was I Madsen. To, I have to tear down my, <laughs> my father's business. It was deal. definitely Madsen. <laughs> The world cannot handle another superpower. <laughs> Anyways, you got anything else on Succession? No, nah, it's just the fucking best, man. It's, fun- it's awesome. such a great show. Thank you for listening to this incredible episode on Succession that we adored. I cannot wait to revisit the show a couple of years. It's going to be awesome. It's like going to be hanging out with an old friend. What what a series, incredible writing, acting, production, everything about it's fucking chef's kiss. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash... Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Take care, everybody. See you next time. This episode was executive produced by our Chosen One patrons. Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Becca Keen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy Griggs, Nicholas Martin, Darian, Tyler McFly, and Sal Kotching. Our Chosen One patrons are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much.